This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Does anyone here know the lyrics? Ruben! Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version. With four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Hi, welcome to Living Well with Janet, brought to you by Asian Boss Girl. Hi everyone, I'm Janet, a co-host of Asian Boss Girl, a yogi, meditator, plant-based eater, and all-around wellness enthusiast. As a second-generation Asian-American woman who has and continues to struggle with periods of burnout and stress, I often find myself experimenting with Western health trends against a context of the Eastern philosophies I was raised with. Join me as I explore different health and wellness topics to enrich my own ever-evolving personal practices and in turn, hopefully benefit some of you in your own journeys to living well. For today's episode, I'd like to start off with a quote for you to simmer on. To live is the rarest thing in the world. Most people exist, that is all. Oscar Wilde. Now, I wanna be sensitive to the current state of the world and all the horrific events in the last few years and acknowledge that even existing in our world has been a feat. But I think it was hard to live in our society even before the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, anxiety and depression rates have been on the rise for years. And with the pervasiveness of hustle culture and the always-on connectedness afforded us by technology, COVID was merely the straw that broke the camel's back and forced many of us to confront our limits. Our limits physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, etc. Now, I know that wellness has become a buzzword in the last many years, but I think it's for a good reason. I think that most people are realizing, or have known for a while now, that there has got to be a better way to live than how we've been living. And so, while I know wellness seems overdone, I think it truly is needed now more than ever, at least in my lifetime so far. And I think we need more perspectives and more different voices than the ones who have currently been sharing. So, if you're willing to listen, I'm willing to share. In this episode, I want to explore the question, what does it mean to live well? Now, there are so many ways to approach this question. I started off by referring to the Mayo Clinic, which is a very well-reputed nonprofit academic medical center. And according to the Mayo Clinic, they link health and a happy life to seven key behaviors. Those behaviors are one, eating nourishing food, two, sleeping seven to eight hours a night, three, keeping company with good people, four, avoiding news overdose, five, getting regular exercise, six, doing something meaningful each and every day, and seven, thinking good thoughts for others. 
Those are a pretty solid seven. I like those findings so far. But I wanted to check out a different resource. Aside from the medical community, I was wondering what psychologists think. And so I went to Psychology Today magazine, and according to them, they define a life well-lived as having three key indicators. The first key indicator is what they call an unfolded self and life, and it refers to the extent to which a person can pursue projects that personally matter to them, that that person can be their unique self, and that that person can lead a true life. The second key indicator of a life well-lived is what they call a worthwhile life. And this relates to the perception that a person can invest their own capacities well and can live a meaningful life. And the third key indicator is what they call positive impact and legacy. And it refers to making a positive difference, leaving something of value and doing something with one's life that matters to others. So we're already seeing a little bit of difference between how the medical community and how the psychology community approaches defining wellness. In trying to figure out what it means to live well, I even went to the dictionary. According to Collins Dictionary, they define living well as living in luxury and relating to wealth, or alternatively as living in virtue related to ethics. Now, in my research and pursuit of trying to define what it means to live well, I also asked those of you who follow me on Instagram how you define living well. And here are some responses that I found particularly interesting. One person responded, a combination of being in good physical, emotional, and mental health. That seems pretty comprehensive. Another answered, before it was stable finances. Now it's mental health or a combo of both. I like that one too because it's not about all of these different categories, but maybe about two very important categories. Another person replied, living well means being kind, gentle, and non-critical towards others or yourself. I like that focus on kindness and gentleness as well. Someone else replied, living a balanced life between personal time, building relationships, and learning new skills. Interesting that they are focused on the concept of balancing multiple things in your life that take up time versus someone else uh, who had answered about the different components of life, like physical, emotional, and mental. And another person answered, feeling content despite the situation. I thought that was interesting as well because they're choosing that your perspective is what defines a life well-lived. And lastly, someone answered, processing emotions in a healthy way. That's a big one. And similarly, another person answered, not feeling sick and wanting to vomit when faced with stress. Oh, can I relate to that one? <laughs> My younger self especially. Definitely, I think when it comes to living well, stress and emotions are big topics that come into play. Um, but at this point in my research of trying to define what it means to live well, I'm thinking, wow, there are so many components to living well, and they all seem true. And then I discovered the Global Wellness Institute. Yes, such a thing exists, and they provide a simple but comprehensive definition along with a framework to look at wellness. So I want to share that with you now. The Global Wellness Institute's definition of wellness is the active pursuit of activities, choices, and lifestyles that lead to a state of holistic health. The two key components in that definition that stood out are the active pursuit and holistic approach. In terms of how to evaluate wellness, they provide a framework of six dimensions to wellness. 
The first is physical, which is defined as nourishing a healthy body through exercise, nutrition, and sleep. The second dimension of wellness is mental, engaging the world through learning, problem solving, creativity, etc. Third dimension, emotional, being aware of, accepting, and expressing our feelings and understanding the feelings of others. The fourth dimension to wellness is spiritual, searching for meaning and higher purpose in human existence. Next is social, connecting and engaging with others and our communities in meaningful ways. And the sixth dimension of wellness is environmental, fostering positive interrelationships between planetary health and human actions, choices, and well-being. So with these six dimensions of wellness, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social, and environmental, you can kind of reflect for yourself. How satisfied are you with each of these aspects of your life? How do you feel about these categories? There are probably some that you feel very happy about in relation to your own life and likely others that you want to improve on. As for me, when I reflect on my personal wellness journey so far, I think I've worked through these six dimensions in three different phases in my life. In each phase, some significant event or series of events really challenged me and prompted me to change something about how I was living. To understand phase one, I think it'd be helpful to give you more context on my background. If you're an avid ABG listener, this won't be anything new, but for any newcomers, I grew up in a Chinese American home. And as a second generation Asian American, my sister and I are the first in our family to be born and raised in the United States. My parents and grandparents are immigrants from Taiwan and China. And this means that I grew up in a household that placed a high amount of value on achievement. Moreover, I was a pretty sensitive kid, and I was a deeply empathic child, which means that I picked up on other people's emotions quite easily, as I think actually many children are. Um, and from a very young age, I remember struggling with anxiousness, and I recall you know, times when I would get really stressed out and feel easily overwhelmed. Well, this combination of being an overachiever with a naturally kind of sensitive and anxious constitution meant that there were many periods in my young childhood and young adulthood where I felt burnt out. In high school and college, I was an achievement-aholic. I maxed myself out taking every possible advanced class, collecting leadership titles, doubling up on internships, purposefully choosing a challenging major with tough professors. I was desperately trying to prove my self-worth through the difficulty of the classes I took, my grades, my leadership titles, internships, etc. Now I wonder how many of you are nodding your heads because it sounds like I might be describing you. But basically, during these years, I didn't understand my own limitations and there were many times when I pushed too far, I pushed too much, and I pushed too hard. Nowadays, I still consider myself kind of a recovering overachiever, but at that age, I was not very self-aware and just at the beginning of my wellness journey. Needless to say, after eight years of pushing myself to overachieve uh, in high school and college, I experienced my first encounter with burnout. This was probably the first time in my life that I really felt out of balance with myself for a prolonged period. I wasn't sleeping well, I wasn't eating well, I was moody all the time, and I knew that I needed to change something or I would fall even deeper into the state of unhappiness and drive the people around me who cared about me away. And this is when I first really discovered exercise and physical movement as a modality for wellness. Up until this point, I had never really worked out. 
I grew up dancing, taking ballet classes, jazz, hip hop. Um, and as a kid, I would play outside on the streets with my friends, rollerblading, biking. But I used to think about exercise for the sake of exercise as a waste of time. I would only participate in a physical activity if I, you know, was honing a skill like dance or that there was like some fun coming out of it, like biking or something. Um, and any physical benefit was seen as just a side byproduct. I felt like the idea of taking time to work out just to work out was kind of wasteful and not really fun. But when I started working a corporate job in a brand new city and I didn't have any natural built-in activity that was making me break a sweat, I started to really miss movement. I was almost always in some sort of dance class or group growing up, um, and I think I kind of took that for granted. But now, you know, working in the corporate world, my work schedule was unpredictable and pretty demanding. So it was really hard for me to sign up for any type of scheduled classes. And out of desperation for movement, I remember putting on my tennis shoes and going to the gym in my apartment building at like midnight and just getting on the treadmill to run. Now, I used to hate running. I was that kid in PE who usually came in near the end, you know, for the mile runs. And... Yeah, I just, I really disliked running, but suddenly it became the easiest way for me to break a sweat because I didn't need any equipment. All I needed were my shoes and I could really do it any time because my apartment gym was open like 24 hours. So I started to use running as my mode of physical movement and I started to truly feel the benefits. I would feel the endorphin lifts that I got from running, which um, some people refer to as a runner's high. And I could see how it affected my mood and increased my energy. Um, and thus, my first deliberate wellness habit was formed in the physical dimension. I don't know about you, but it feels like a lot of my friends are now getting on that baby train. If you have a friend who is also expecting or have little ones still in diapers, I always recommend Pampers Swathers. With Pampers Swathers, you can also rest assured that this diaper will prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Swathers has dual leak guard barriers at the legs to help protect where leaks happen most. And they have a blowout barrier, which is an innovative back pocket built into the diaper to help prevent those messy leaks up the back. Did you know that on average, babies will use up to 8,000 plus diapers before becoming potty trained? That is a lot. That's why Pampers Diaper Stash is the hottest baby gift for 2024. So give a gift to a loved one that says, we see you and we've got you. Pampers Diaper Stash is an online diaper fund that all parents with little ones will love. You can organize friends and family to contribute to a group gift of an online stockpile that never has to run out. Pampers Diaper Stash is great because it takes the guesswork out of choosing what size and how many diapers to gift. It's so easy to do, and it's the gift that always fits. This episode is brought to you by Seed. Probiotics are most effective when they make it to your colon, alive. That's why Seed developed a patented two-in-one capsule that safeguards viability of its DSO-1 daily symbiotic through digestion to deliver the maximum dose to your colon. No refrigeration necessary. Visit seed.com slash Spotify and use code SPOTIFY25 to get 25% off your first month. Now, about two and a half years into my first corporate job, I made the decision to leave in order to explore other career options. However, as a result of living the office life for about two and a half years, 
I had gained quite a bit of unhealthy weight from all of the good meals that they treated us to, all of the free office snacks and breakfast bagels and donuts that were considered perks. And when you're a hard-worked employee, you feel compelled to not leave any perk or form of compensation for your efforts uncashed. Not only that, but if you leave free food out in the office kitchen when I am still there at 10 p.m. working on a deadline assignment, you damn well better be sure I'm going to end up eating my feelings. So once I left that job, I knew that the first step in deciding on a new career direction was to get myself back into a better headspace and mood. Now, I think I probably gained like 20 pounds from just that lifestyle and being in the office with all of those perks available. And this was a point in my life where I really began to focus on food as a direct link to my wellness. I started to realize that my natural taste preferences tended toward non-meat options. Now, I grew up in a Chinese-American home, so I ate a lot of Chinese food for meals. And in Chinese cuisine, vegetables are mostly cooked and mostly cooked in oils. Um, we didn't eat a lot of raw vegetables growing up, and usually the dishes only contain like one to three types of vegetables just because that's how the cuisine is made. But now I was a young adult, I was in San Francisco, and I had exposure to all of these different types of cuisines um, and all of these beautifully kind of hippie, vibrant salads and wraps and sandwiches. And when I started to eat these foods, I noted that I would feel better and I would feel less sluggish when I would just simply incorporate more vegetables into my diet. Around this time, I was also getting closer to friends who were raised vegetarian. These were Indian American friends who, because of their culture or religion, um, were raised always vegetarian. And actually, one of the guys that I dated while I was living in San Francisco was Indian American and did not eat meat, was raised vegetarian. So I kind of naturally started eating in this way because I was spending time with them and we would share meals together. So I started kind of unintentionally eating vegetarian. And for the years that followed, I just became more observant. I would read up on things and I would experiment with different foods and see how they made my body feel. I tried veganism for a while. I tried raw foods for a while. Um, but basically, I added another tool on top of physical movement to my tool belt of wellness. But up until this point, I really was only paying attention to the physical dimension of wellness, and I hadn't really put much thought into addressing any of the other five. And this is where we get to phase two of my wellness journey, when I began to explore the mental, emotional, and social dimensions of wellness. In the eight years that followed leaving my first corporate job, I was on a mission to find the perfect job for me. I think the fact that my first corporate job was a really bad fit for me personally for a number of reasons, and that I struggled so much to live well while at that job, I was really motivated to find that perfect job for me so that I could avoid that level of suffering ever again. And in order to do that, I had to ask myself some really hard questions, which ultimately helped me address the mental and social dimensions of my wellness. Number one, in terms of mental wellness, I was looking for an industry that would allow me to engage with the world through learning topics that I found interesting and require me to problem solve issues that I felt were important and to exercise creativity in a sustainable way, meaning that the pacing of the work can't be too much in a series for too long that I would burn out. And secondly, in terms of social wellness, I realized that I was looking for an industry where I felt I could relate to the community of people who worked in it. I was hoping that we would match in my value of a collaborative and kind working environment versus a competitive and cutthroat environment, which other people tend to thrive in. 
and thus hoping to find a community of people in an industry where I could form meaningful one-on-one relationships with. With UX design, I finally found an industry and specific companies and teams where I felt that alignment, and it was glorious. I finally felt physically, mentally, and socially well. But it took me eight years to get to that point. And in those eight years, I transitioned careers four times, lived in five different cities. I think I moved like 14 times. I bounced from social enterprise work to advertising to a semester in Chinese medicine school to UX design. From San Francisco to Orange County to Miami to New York to LA. And I learned so much in each of these pursuits and cities, and I have absolutely no regrets about my journey in hindsight. But making these transitions took a massive toll on me, and I found myself completely burnt out at the end of it. And during this time in my life, I had now hit burnout a couple of times, so I turned to all of the normal tools that I usually do, which you know, up until that point was physical wellness, my exercise, and my food. But that alone was no longer enough to get me back to a well state this time around. And this is when I really started to explore therapy and addressing the emotional dimension of my wellness. Through therapy, I started to recognize certain patterns in my life. There was definitely a reason why I was continuously hitting a point of burnout or unhappiness multiple times. And I was determined to get to the bottom of this. I started to do the deep inner work of the self learning to talk about my feelings, and learning to introspect deeply with the guidance of a trained professional. Opening old wounds so that I could clean them out, not to heal them completely, but to learn to live with them and not just accept them, but celebrate them as part of who I am. This part I'm still working on. It's definitely a challenge and a journey to get to a point where you can start to celebrate the parts of yourself that you used to hide. Which now brings me to phase three of my wellness journey, when I began to look into the spiritual and environmental dimensions of wellness. After a few years at this perfect UX job, I started to crave growth. At that point, many of my team members had left for other companies and the work itself started to feel less stimulating. So after a couple of interviews, I took an offer at a new job with the hopes of greater growth opportunities. For a number of reasons, the job didn't end up being what I expected, and I spent almost a year trying to adjust, trying to make it work, all the while feeling my sense of wellness slip through my fingers. By the end of that year, I had hit another point of burnout. This time around, once again, I returned to the same tools that I always knew when I hit bumps in the road of my life. Physical. Worked on moving my body and worked on eating good and nourishing foods. Emotional, I re-entered therapy. And in terms of the mental and social, at this point, I wasn't getting it from my job anymore. But I was getting it from this little project called ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast-turned-company that I had started with a couple of very good friends. And this is when I started to lean into the spiritual and environmental dimensions of wellness. I ultimately decided to pause my UX career to work at ABG full-time. And in doing this, I was choosing work that felt meaningful and with a higher purpose, which is the Global Institute of Wellness's definition of spiritual wellness. And also as a part of this work, I felt that I was fostering positive interrelationships relating to human actions, choices, and well-being in a way that I had never done before, which is the Global Institute of Wellness's definition of environmental wellness. So since taking that leap into working on ABG and digital media for my own company full-time, 
I have experimented with each of the six dimensions of wellness, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social, and environmental. So this has been my wellness journey so far, and as you can see, it isn't a clean-cut singular event, but the result of many different experiences, and oftentimes I happen upon things without direct intention. And it's not like I have it all figured out, definitely don't. I can not say that I am balanced in all six dimensions of wellness in my life at all time. It's more like an ebb and flow where sometimes I'm more balanced in some dimensions and lacking in others. But I'm still working on it. And through my wellness journey experience, I have two big takeaways. One is that imperfection is expected and part of the process. Nothing that you do or try is going to be a waste of time because it is all information. So be patient with yourself. Two, experimentation is required to figure out what unique combination of habits work for you, a unique human being, because different things work for different people. So please don't hesitate to try different things and not get frustrated when something doesn't work for you because what wellness looks like for your sister or your friend may not be what wellness looks like for you. And with that, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to my wellness journey. I hope that going through each of these six dimensions of wellness prompts you to think about how each of these dimensions plays a role in your own life and in your own history. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love if you leave a comment in our IG post with one thing you're doing for your wellness and which of the six dimensions it addresses. I want to also just close out by sharing that my goal with this show is not to provide formal medical or health advice. I am not a licensed professional to do either of those things, nor am I trying to push any one type of diet, workout, spiritual practice, or other. I am merely a youngish middle-aged person who is trying to live my life well, and in doing so, I like to expose myself to lots of different practices and perspectives, which I want to share with all of you in hopes that it enlivens your own personal journeys to living well. Thank you for listening to this first episode of Living Well with Janet, brought to you by Asian Boss Girl. I can be found also at Asian Boss Girl, the podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman, with my good friends Helen and Mel, who are also hosting their own shows, which you can catch on this same feed, new episodes every Tuesday. You can follow ABG on Instagram at Asian Boss Girl and me, Janet, at Janet W. That's Janet, the word double, and the letter U. I'd like to end today's episode with the same quote that we started with, but with one small revision. To live well is the rarest thing in the world. Most people exist, that is all. Here's to living well.